I do find it hard to believe that there are any listeners out there who still do not subscribe to The Athletic. But if you are out there, now is the time to finally really pay us back for uh, all these hours of being in your ears. 40% off is what you can get at The Athletic right now. It is, uh, it is a weird sports season. We've got coaches testing positive. We've got uh, quarterbacks testing positive. We've got players opting out. We've got a, a baseball player who, who is not going to be able to play all season because he had the virus. But we've also got, you know, random guys dropping 50 burgers on the Sixers. So you can read about all that good stuff on The Athletic. Handsome Rich, Derek the Body Bodner, they've got you covered. Feel free to join The Athletic. 40% off. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash birdswithfriends, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash birdswithfriends for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. And you owe us. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bowen Sheila, the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill. It's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Kapati are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. I'm going to have the rest of my life with these kids. Wow. Get, we got to get that in a drop uh, immediately. We're editing that one out. That didn't come out quite There's no editing. No, no editing yeah, on this that's podcast. That's the wonderful Birds with Friends. No editing. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Monday afternoon. Bo Wolf here. Zach Berman there. Sheila Kapadia, how you doing? Wonderful. Uh, Zach, I think you should probably take it from here because, um, you know, I wasn't able to. I, I, I don't, if I can't ask questions, I'm not sure I can talk about what's going on with the Eagles. So, why don't you? Why don't you take over? <laughs> well, I I am confident you'll be able to ask questions going forward. Although I I yeah, wish maybe to you... Quez Watkins, but <laughs> uh, so uh, Doug Peterson as was reported first last night by uh, by Tim McManus at, at ESPN since confirmed by the team, and then by Doug Peterson himself in a press conference with us. Uh, he tested positive for COVID-19. Um, he is self-quarantining right now, so he, he's at home. He's asymptomatic. He says that he has no symptoms whatsoever. He says that he feels great and his energy level is high. Uh, for however much one can decipher over a video press conference, uh, he was cogent. He was answering our questions. Uh, it's unknown how or where or even when he contracted it, uh, but he did reinforce, and we'll get into this, that he's confident in the health protocols at the NovaCare Complex. Uh, Deuce Staley is the acting head coach or the head coach in terms of the day-to-day responsibilities, but Doug Peterson is still in all the virtual team meetings. He still is having player meetings, so he's doing as much as he can from his South Jersey home. 
So uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we, we did get a chance to talk to some of the assistant coaches last week and some of the rookies, so we'll talk about that uh, later in the episode. But but let's get into this Doug thing. But before we do, uh, Sheila, I think we got to talk about this at the top because knowing that Doug is okay right now, I think we can we can talk about the fact that last night this news comes down, bombshell breaks. First of all, T-Mac proving again that he is worth uh, both me and Zach. You you nailed that correctly. But we get we have crickets from Zach. We're, we're worried about him. I, I, I told him I was worried that uh, the feud with Tamari had gotten ugly. My understanding is that's what it was. That uh, he he was he was out there uh, battling Tamari and uh, kind of you know got a little, got a little distracted and uh, didn't didn't see the Doug news right away. I don't see how how, how this is relevant to our. our <laughs> Me neither. Our I didn't think Bo was going to bring this up. I didn't Come know on, either. Bo. But I, I look first off. Hey, I, I I like Jonathan Tamari. I, I don't know where that's coming from. Number one. No, uh, we number know the two. Truth. Uh, about last night, um, I, I had a uh, a long work week last week and was was with the kids. You dropped a banger. What's what's that? You dropped a banger on Sunday. <laughs> I don't know how many people read it, but um, uh, I was well, I was I was with the kids throughout the weekend and uh, was was pretty tired yesterday afternoon. So. It was, it was one of those things where I, I said, you know, I'm going to take Advil PM, get a good night's sleep. Nice. Re- and recharge for the week. Chug it up. Um, I might never sleep ever again. I know. Uh, what was your <laughs> – I do want to know, like, what your reaction was when you woke up and checked uh, your phone. So I, I have uh, – I, I had 39 text messages. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, now, admittedly, a lot of them were our From chain. Us, yeah. You know, yeah. So uh, it's, it's not like 39 different people texted me. Uh, but – there was that I was first trying to figure out what was going on. Then I was I was really frustrated, uh, very <laughs> embarrassed, disappointed, um, and uh, in myself, obviously. Not, <laughs> so and, you shouldn't be disappointed and, for taking the opportunity to finally get some sleep. And I, I, my I wife, love uh, my my wife was 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 running at the time, working out at the time. Um, so uh, I I called her, being like like. Did you know about this? And, and she said, "Yeah, she she called her out. She saw it last night, but I really needed my sleep, and she didn't want to wake me up." And yeah, I said, a "Good wife." In, in very like, um, uh, I said very specifically, "Never not wake me up if you find out something about the Eagles. Always wake me up." Um, and then uh, I I even said that I'm going to pass her number on to Bo and Shield. So that if, if they can't get a hold of me, they can call her. Because, just yeah. make it just me. You don't want both. <laughs> yeah, just, that's. Yeah. I'll, I'll I probably, can be the yeah. emergency. Go Contact. too far with that. I, I love I love how Bo. You know, you mentioned what you're you're disappointed and embarrassed which of course you shouldn't be in Bo oh no you don't need to well, why'd you bring it up then Bo I mean, <laughs> well I'm not trying to make him be embarrassed because we know the guy I mean, we know we, we know we know what he's like I yeah. want to know like the personal we, reaction we know what he's like that he's he's obviously being way too hard on himself for this so there's no reason you needed to bring this up to our po- podcast audience I, I thought we would just not even mention it yeah me too me I too. love how you mentioned it and then I like oh don't don't sweat it i mean that that's like I, this, the is, this is real life i mean you know? that's like the oh hundreds were asking about our tennis match so you know i had to yeah, uh, two get people this out yeah there. all right so uh anyway zach obviously this is probably the one time you've 
gone to bed early in the last 10 years and right. i imagine you will never go to bed early again so uh the timing was not great uh, i i was concerned about zach this, well this yeah time. like a legitimately concerned yeah for him not being the one to like tell me about this or to immediately be like what's our plan and uh, all these different types of things so yeah as i was going to bed and we hadn't heard from you like i was telling my wife i was like i hope you know i hope everything's yeah. okay hopefully it was just you know he was with his kids or something but uh what we got the uh the good news this morning. All right, now I have quite I have uh, quite a few uh, questions on this. I was doing a uh, a hit, yeah, flex, uh, mm, and so I missed okay. uh, at least the first half. More with than who? That, I mean, uh, drop uh, the deets. D- d- well, listen, I don't I don't want to get into that because um, <laughs> it was supposed to be a little bit earlier, so I don't oh. <laughs> throw anyone out. Though I was supposed to make the uh, Doug Peterson press conference, so we don't need to get into that. But anyway, Ooh, okay. Uh, so so Doug Peterson. Another another feud develops. Go ahead tested daily at the Novacare complex, correct? Daily, correct. correct. Okay. And so he's been tested daily. He's been in the building since when? July? Do we, what was the date? Well, the coaches reported sooner than the, than right. the rookies, right? Than, than, than the rookies, but at, at least since last 24th, Tuesday. So before 20th. last Tuesday. Okay. All, All right. right. So this, and th- this gets into the question I wanted to ask about timeline, but, but go ahead, finish what you were going to say. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he obviously has had uh, negative tests since they began going into the building. And so, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. He didn't say where, I guess they said what he, he contracted a positive, uh, outside the building, correct? Well, what did, we, did they say that what we know or, or what has been reported is that he first tested positive on Saturday and then the second test positive was on Sunday. And I believe these were, these were uh, TMAC reports. And Doug said today that he didn't want to get into uh, how he got it, but he's still very confident in the safety of the Novacare complex. And uh, this sort of reinforced to him how important it is to be diligent outside the building. Um, and what I like, I, it is possible w- because we are still learning about this virus that uh, it's, it's possible that he could have contracted it before returning to uh, the Novacare complex, and it took this long to show up as a positive test. But my sense, at least uh, from Doug and, you know, assuming, uh, knowing that that'll make an, an ass out of you and Ming, is that he got this after training camp started or contracted it after training camp started, which, I mean, obviously uh, calls into question the efficacy of the way that they're going about things. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it, it led to two questions for me. One is, you know how how safe is the Novacare complex right now? I mean, he's been uh, he's been in there for uh, what let's say right. a, w- a week to ten days uh, with a positive around. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's around a lot of people. They do wear these bracelets, mm-hmm. uh, Bo, which you wrote about, where uh, you know you can sort of uh, when you go in the building, you wear the bracelet, and so it tells you who you were um, sort of in close contact with, and so then they can uh, go from there. But you know, if you had someone in the building who uh, tested positive to me, that would be greater cause for concern than sort of uh, what we're seeing now. And so if if he contracted it uh, outside the building since training camp started, um, you know, obviously it is his personal life and he doesn't want to get into, uh, you know, where he might have gotten it at the same time. I mean, the players have been like the players had to agree to all these things they weren't going to go to. Right. I mean, in the. in the agreement. And so, um, I don't know, is there some responsibility? Can you use it as a teaching moment? Hey, I forgot to put my mask on and you know, I, it could be anything. I went to, I went to target. I went to whole foods. I mean, right, I don't know. Knows. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, is it, uh, I don't want to 
pry, like if it's something personal and he doesn't want to uh, get into it, that's certainly um, his prerogative. But like you said, I mean, we're a week into training camp and this is the head coach and this is outside the building. Um, you know, and they got a long way to go, you know, to, right. uh, to keep well, everybody and safe. And I do so think is this, is, this, is a, this is a bigger deal than any, than any of the positive tests that have come before. Um, like I don't, I don't think this people are making a big enough deal out of out of this in terms of what's next for the NFL because everybody else is like they report to camp, they take their tests, and then they test positive and they go on the uh, they go on the restricted list. This is the first person, to my knowledge, uh, maybe there were another uh, there was another player elsewhere who has tested positive after having already been within the confines of what the NFL is considering good protocol. Um, so I mean. Obviously, this this is a, a serious thing in, in terms of how effective this this process can be moving forward. Yeah, and and to Shields' point about it being a a teaching moment, and and Bo paraphrased this. This is an exact quote from Doug. Uh, what we all need to learn, and what I need to learn, taking away from this, is obviously we need to protect ourselves when we are in the community, away from the building. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I that should have been learned before you yeah. step foot in the building. Yeah. He's the guy in charge, right? I don't. Yeah. I mean, I yes. I don't want to get into Me like it's, it's not Me his neither. fault. Yeah, right. Because who knows how these things happen? But if if there's anyone who you are supposed to be trusting to be doing everything they can, it should be the guy in charge, right? And maybe he was, and maybe of course you know, something happened that we don't know uh, how he got it. That that's why I'm sort of I don't want to say troubled, but it would be helpful to understand the whole scenario. If it was just, hey, this is, you know, this is how well, that, we think I got and it. Why, after talking and that's why to the it is so troubling, right? Because, I, again, we, we don't know, but theoretically, this is the person who you should be trusting uh, as much as anybody to be following the rules. Yeah, I mean, certainly that I, I, I didn't hear that part. So that's interesting from Zach that he, you know, is sort of taking on some uh, responsibility for however he got it, uh, you know, whatever that means in the uh in the community so uh so we shall see i mean now there are a lot of like interesting sort of spinoffs to this you know the uh the new orleans saints i believe peter king i don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys saw that today where they're trying this idea of sort of a uh, mini bubble i guess where they are going from they have 150 i believe out of the 180 uh, team employees are in a hotel in uh, New Orleans and they're all staying there and no one else is staying at that hotel and they're basically going hotel team facility team facility hotel and they're going to do this through the first week of September uh so you know I think that's the only way to make it work it might be it might be and uh what's the Eagles situation I mean yeah so here's I can go go ahead yeah yeah so uh well a lot of the players stay at, at at the Courtyard Marriott in the Navy Yard um, that's that's the team hotel during training camp, uh, and now the veteran players though have the option of staying at home, or, or, or players who have homes in the area have the option of of, of staying at home. So, so and I so think Doug mentioned that that's part of the collective bargaining agreement, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, now they have curfew at the hotel each night at eleven o'clock. They have uh, twelve-hour workdays, so so there are not a lot. There's there's not a lot of free time, per se. And and Bo asked uh, uh, Casey Tuhill yesterday about how the players are spending their time at night. Uh, so for the rookies, and I, I would speculate a lot of the newcomers who who don't have homes, uh, this this is not much different than a different than a typical training camp, 
but there are obviously more restrictions about when and where they're able to go. And she'll put it well that the players signed off on all these rules, but these rules don't apply, obviously, to the coaching staff. Or to their families. Uh, you know, it, it, all right, I don't want to the sound, tentacles are so far. Go ahead. I don't want to sound dumb here, so but just answer this question because I, I don't know if it so can you test could you could you theoretically test uh, negatively, be in the building, spread the virus, and then test positive the next day? Does that make sense? Is that a possibility? I think so. No? Yes, I think that's absolutely yes. a possibility. Okay. Now the the bracelets that they're wearing are intended to determine how who you've been within six feet of. Right. Um, and I've I've read these stories from the NBA bubble where like a buzzer goes off if you're within six feet of somebody on the campus, on, on, the, on the Disney campus. So the Eagles, in theory, would be able to determine how many people have gotten close to Doug in the building, and that's part of the contact tracing. Now, again, I, I don't know in, in terms of the aerosol if, if, Doug breathes, if, if Doug breathes in one room and a player is, let's say, 12 feet away. Uh, how right. how right. that if spreads. The, if I, the room I, is is not well ventilated exactly. and it, right, exactly. yeah, I mean, we there's so many variables. And no one one, pl- one person was sent home, and, and uh, Tim McManus reported that it was it was Press Taylor. Um, so he was sent home because he had been close to Doug Peterson, and he has tested negative so far. But uh, you know, I'm sure that that's a worrying time for him. Yeah, he has young kids. I mean, there's. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got a family, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, we will see. I mean, it, it's it's like a situation where you know we could we could finish this podcast, and a half an hour later, there could be a report that hey, you know, these two people mm-hmm. in the building uh, have also tested positive, and and then it's away we go with um, what do they do next? So um, the good news is right now that uh, that has not happened yet, and uh, Doug Peterson, obviously, aside from uh, you know Lane Johnson. Uh, who, who had tested positive, like like you said, Bo, that was before he was in the building uh, interacting with other people, right? That was on his just right. go, show up, get tested, all right, you're, you're positive, stay home, and quarantine. Uh, so that's the good news. Um, so we'll, we'll just uh, sort of wait and see here. I mean, I, I am curious about now that that sort of Saints report is out there. I mean, you know, let's say another couple coaches, quarterbacks, whatever, uh, show up with positives. Are, are more teams going to say, if we're going to do it, this is the only way to do it or to give ourselves the best shot is to, uh, you know, do sort of the mini bubble aspect of it. And even there, there's no, uh, there's no guarantee that uh, that would work either. And well, now you- one point Doug emphasized uh, was, was that he's fortunate this is happening in August as opposed to September, October, November, December, when in theory, if there's a season, that uh, if if this were to happen to him on uh, on let's say a Monday in the season, he probably wouldn't be coaching the following week. Or if it happened to Carson Wentz, he probably wouldn't be playing the following week. And it's 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 interesting that you know Doug Peterson has has spoken about having contingencies in in place for everyone in the organization, and sometimes that's that's kind of a talking point. I can't imagine Doug thought that that one of the first contingencies he would need to exercise is the one created for him. Well, well they were ready for it, right? I just watched the Deuce uh, 
press conference and he said uh, somebody asked like a specific question about Doug, which was kind of weird. Right. I mean, that, that was just days ago, right? Mm-hmm. They said, uh, you know, what are, do you have contingency plans in place if Doug Peterson uh, has the quarantine? And Deuce said yes, and obviously he's now um, the guy in charge. Uh, yeah, I don't know in season who would call plays. Do you think if? Uh, if this was, uh, I mean, now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But <laughs> I assume it. Well, I, w- I was going to say I would. Ass- I, w- I would assume it would be press, but not if he's also has to quarantine. Yeah, press um, juice. Before we get into the the football stuff, um, just uh, what you were talking about, Shia. Like it is actually, uh, you know, we've talked about these like these natural experiments. It is a natural experiment on, uh, you know, the efficacy of what they have set up in the Novacare complex because Doug was in the building uh, at some point when he was positive. And if he comes out, if, if, you know, this thing proceeds and there are no other positive tests, I guess that is a good, um, a good sign for what, for the solutions that they've set up in the building. But, uh, but we will see. But you know, the other thing that just sort of like, you know, keeps coming across my mind as we talk about like whether they should play is like the, you know, the players are making their own decisions on putting their bodies at risk, uh, you know, but like low-level coaches or all the other staffers yeah, who right. have to be in the building, like these guys don't have choices. They're not gonna like if they if they, you know, quote unquote opt out. They don't have jobs. Like it, it's just it seems so unfair for like a you know a, a, a low-level guy in the equipment room or something like that who has to be in there. Like it's not really they, they don't they don't have uh, the kinds of the kinds of choices. They're just being forced into this situation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their uh, options are if they were if they were given uh, given choices by the organization. Now, I, I mean, some of the people, you know, like like Jeff Stoutland was basically saying that he feels safer there than he would anywhere else, and mm-hmm. there is su- there is some truth to that. You know, like are you are you safer going to the Novacare complex? Yeah, they get or, daily tests. Or going to a grocery or going to a grocery store. You know, like. You know, everyone there is getting uh, tested every day and there are protocols in place. So, uh, you know, I guess it kind of goes both ways. But, yeah, with the natural experiment, I mean, the baseball stuff, right, with the, uh, you know, they feel like, all right, well, the Marlins didn't pass it on to the Phillies during the course of a baseball game. So, if you know, I don't want to say anything is like good news, but (laughs) that could, you know, it could be worse news, I guess, is how you should. uh, I mean, that is good news. Yeah. Yeah, So so that is good news. So um, it's just kind of like all these it's like bad things are going to happen and then you're going to try to glean information from it and then uh, improve your process or protocols in place. And, you know, there's a chance you you go and fix things and things get better and it works. And then there's a chance that it just gets to the point of no return and stuff starts getting canceled. So uh, everything is in play. I did think the craziest thing Doug said today was when uh, he was asked if like this changes how optimistic he is. Cause last week he was very optimistic. He said uh, about their ability to play. And he said, now I'm even more optimistic. Like, <laughs> how does that work? How does that get for me to be? But yeah, he said, my confidence hasn't changed at all. Okay. I'm extremely optimistic. I feel we're going to play. I'm confident that we're going to play. I guess that's actually, that's not as bad as, as, a, as bad as I thought. But no, you, I mean, you are right now. Now, I mean, to your point about people in the building and, I certainly understand it and, and empathize, uh, but I mean there are people around the country going to work right now, and it and uh, whether you know you agree or disagree, like uh, like she was saying, grocery stores and, and now the uh, the you can argue football is 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 not essential, but 
this is all part of the experiment that that's that's that that's going on. So the fact that they're able to test and and catch this is at least a positive because frankly that's 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 better than a lot of other work environments. Is that fair to say? I just missed the last minute. Naya, ver- Naya mm-hmm. very aggressively knocking on the door. Uh, her Kindle. Can we get her lo- on the pod? Lost. Uh, well, this is the first time this has happened. Actually, I think normally she uh, she respects the pod, but uh, we got a new we got a new uh, router, and so the uh, connecting to the network is different now. And uh, she was uh, panicking a little bit about the Kindle not being uh, connected. So uh, I don't get, know. Can we get her on? No, no, she's gone. Uh, <laughs> listening to either. Uh, Harry Potter or Warriors somewhere in her own world. Okay. That's yeah. too bad. Uh, dynamite dynamite drop in from, from Naya. Now do you guys didn't know I was gone, huh? I, I left I got up at it and I was very quick with the typing of that password. No, oh, no, yeah. Zach was uh Zach was very good. Now was your password sixty nine sixty nine? No, as referring <laughs> to the, the one of the great yeah. moments in Birds yes, of Friends yes. history. I think listeners need to understand what from the Tony is. Pauline. Yeah, yeah, I think you should get well, again, no, we, don't, not, we don't Bo have to again give his password out, but <laughs> Bo not giving any background. Okay, where were we? Uh, Zach was making the point that uh, theoretically, you know, working in the Novocare complex is better than most other workplaces. But uh, yeah. you know, we could we could because get in... they have this testing to catch it is is my point. Right, but um, you know, then we can get into a longer conversation about uh, whether people should be working right now anyway, and whether the federal government should be uh, supplementing things. But uh, for another time. I would say I look forward to that uh, discussion, but I do not. I know that's right. Um, and then in terms of like the the specifics of when Doug can get back, um, according to the, the protocols that uh, the NFL has, I believe it is either, uh, or I know it is either uh, 10 days, if he, if he remains asymptomatic, uh, it is 10 days after his first positive test, uh, or uh, five days... Five, so he could be back as early as Friday because it, it's five days if he shows absolutely no symptoms at all, and he and then he has a couple negative tests in a row. Or as Doug Peterson says, "quote When I'm back, I'm back." <laughs> okay. that's, oh, that's, that, that's a direct quote. Shield. Big bad Doug. <laughs> I'm not going to speculate on a timetable for me. I treat it just like the players. When I'm back, I'm back. Now, do you think we have a, we could have a coaching controversy here? You know, next week. Yeah, you know, I thought about it, that. You're interviewing players, and they say, "Oh man, oh boy, Deuce, Deuce, this guy." You know, I was ready. To, I wish we played tonight. That guy had me so uh, had me so pumped up. The changes he's implemented in such a short period of time. No, I don't think makes it like a, it totally changes the offense. We're doing the you know, <laughs> I four I formation, uh, <laughs> pounded down their throats. Uh, I but I'm and it is like uh, to take a step back. Like it is kind of. Uh, not funny, but like darkly funny that, uh, you know, Deuce Daly, who has probably uh, risen above his uh, his status as a running backs coach. I know he's the assistant head coach, but like it takes a literal uh, pandemic for him to finally get this promotion. Yeah, well, you take it and run with it. Hopefully he's parking <laughs> in Doug's uh, parking spot and uh, yeah, putting yeah, his I mean, feet up on is, the desk. Is- this is why he's the assistant. I don't know about and- that, Bo. I wouldn't go in his office. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go there either. <laughs> That's a good point, you. But no, but uh, when when he made this promotion, when Doug promoted uh, Deuce, or or I shouldn't say promoted, gave him the title, uh, although I, I suppose promoted works, uh, back in 2018, and and Doug's quote was, "If if something happens to me, yeah, he did you know, say Deuce that. Steps in. 
This is this is exactly what he's talking about, correct? I don't think he. Foresaw... I don't think it's what he thought he was talking about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's exactly what he was talking. about. <laughs> no, I don't think he. Foresaw... He was thinking of like if he had a root canal and had to miss an OTA. Yeah. Like, but look, uh, I mean, the this flight is, or something. No, this has happened before. You know, uh, there was the, yeah, the. It's a different example. The the Chuck Pagano Bruce Arians situation. Mm. Uh, I thought you were going to have... go to like the 1909 flu. But... <laughs> no, no, there have been uh, situations where that, where there's an acting head coach. So. Uh, That's true. Yeah, it, it did take a pandemic for this to happen with Deuce, but there wasn't like looking around and trying to figure out who who takes that responsibility. That's part of being the assistant head coach. It would actually, I mean, far be it for me to, you know, this is more Bo's territory to advise, give a social media, uh, and be in a social media advisory role, but uh, it would be very funny <laughs> if their social media team just did a bunch of videos of Deuce, like, taking over all Doug's uh, mm. stuff. And, you know, now that we know Doug is uh, feeling okay and adding a little uh, light touch to the, uh, to the moment, I would think that would be very funny. Not bad. No one, no one else agrees. Okay. Um, on Deuce, uh, because we talked to him on Friday, we did get to sort of talk to him about um, whether he does feel overlooked. He feels like he's been passed over because there was a, an athletic report in the offseason that he was sort of reaching out to South Carolina to try to get a job on, on their coaching staff. And uh, he said, uh, don't, feel, uh, don't feel overlooked, feel respected, feel very proud of my job. Um, so he, he rebuffed that, but um, I, I would guess that you know, if those reports are true, the the uh, actions speak louder than the words. Yeah, I mean, what's he gonna what's he gonna say? Right. He, you know, he's taking over as his coach just got COVID nineteen. I don't think that would really be the time either to. Uh, well, that was before, of... but. Oh right. Okay. Well, anyway, I mean, he's uh, he's played it the way he's he's going to play it, but I, I would agree with you. You know, let's see kind of how the next uh, year goes, and let's see where we are. At this point next year, I thought the um, the funniest moment of Deuce Daly's press conference was when he was talking about your guy's boy, Michael Warren. Is that uh, that's yeah. the guy, right? Yeah, uh, your boy. And he goes, he knocks the fire. Oh, no, wait. What was he talking about Corey Clement? I think he was talking about Corey Clement. Did oh, he, yeah. yeah. When he was talking about Corey Clement's very first special first team snap play, as yeah. a rookie. Yeah. Knocks the, and I'm like, oh, boy. And he's like, <laughs> fire out of uh, that guy. But anyway. Hmm. Uh, should we get to the actual football conversation, Zach? Or do we have uh, any sure, other? sure. Well, I know you're the one who always wants to talk about whether we're going to have a season or not. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> not know, all this bit. stuff, the abdication of responsibility by the NFL. I didn't. I, do you have anything else to get off your chest? Nothing in 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 that regard. Look, I mean the the same questions you have about this, I I have about this. I'm I'm very curious to see. I I, I really I'm going to pump up uh, Bo's piece. This morning, both Q and A, uh, or 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 questions about this, uh, and I, I I thought one of the the pertinent ones in there is is this a Marlins situation? And I think that's obviously what to watch here is is now we won't know uh, formally at least if staffers are 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 sent home, but we would know if a player is put on the list. So right. and when I say the list, I, I mean reserve COVID nineteen list. So uh, it, that is something to monitor in the coming days. If, if this is, in fact, isolated to Doug, then like you said, it, it, it points well to the protocols they have in place, uh, and they've kind of dodged this bullet, but it's definitely worth monitoring here. All right, let's get to the football stuff. And uh, before we get to what we heard last week, 
uh, since you since you're pointing to a story, let's let's take a step back. Give give send people's eyeballs to your story on the two miracles, Zach. Sure. So the Athletic has a series on comebacks with the peg being sports is coming back. In many cases, sports has come back, and it's it's counting down to when all four sports are in theory back. And uh, the assignment was to connect the two miracles at the Meadowlands. And I I should preface this by saying I understand. There have been more miracles. Uh, there, there was the Clyde Simmons play. There was the Brian Westbrook front return. But the two that are most well-known are Herman Edwards scooping up the Joe Pisarczyk fumble and then the comeback uh, in 2010 when Deshaun Jackson had the walk-off punt return touchdown. And so in, in trying to connect these, what I was, I was looking to figure out was uh, who was at both games? Who, who was the connection? And... I was able to talk to four different people who had four unique perspectives. Merrill Reese broadcasted both games. Harold Carmichael was a player in that 1978 game, and then and he had a good game that day, over 100 receiving yards. And then he was the director of uh, player development in 2010. Uh, I was able to talk to Mike Doherty, Doc, as a lot of people in the building know him, who was for 37 years the, uh, uh, the uh, video director. For the Eagles, and he was in the coach's booth for that first one, and then he was actually videotaping uh, the second one. And then I was fortunate enough to talk to Ed Mahan, or 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 I, I think it's Ed Mahan. I believe it's Mahan. He, yeah, the team photographer for 50 years who took some of the great photos from the first one and was on the sideline as well for the second one. So if you haven't read that story and and if you haven't seen that series, uh, please check it out. Please read it. Very well done. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get to some of the stuff we learned last week, Zach. And uh, why don't we why don't we start with Deuce since that's where we were. Um, I think the the football thing we learned from him is that you know he was very much like uh, taking the reins off Miles Sanders. He said uh, you know he doesn't think he needs to be part of a rotation. He's a guy who you can just put in there and play. And he said the reason for that is because he he makes people miss, and so there's less of a concern about uh, the the workload. Uh, pounding onto him. What do you uh, What do you make of that shield? I mean, I don't know. Are we. I don't understand why this is like even still a conversation. I mean, is was any is anybody expecting anything different? I mean, he was their one of their best players uh, down the stretch. The part of a huge reason for why they made the playoffs. He did everything well. Uh, you know, there was no like area of his game where he says he's got to get better in blitz pickup. He's got to be a better receiver. He got better midway through the season as a runner. They used a second-round pick on him. Uh, when they use a second-round pick on a running back, that guy's going to get the ball a lot. And so uh, I just feel like there's no doubt that he's the number one primary option ready for a heavy workload, and you rotate other guys in there like uh, every team does. But, yeah, he's going to get a lot of touches and be one of the focal points of the offense. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's a surprise. I just don't necessarily buy the uh... – like he's he's less susceptible to uh like the the effects of a workload than other guys just because he makes people miss. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know about that. I mean, maybe he has maybe Deuce has an eye for hey, this is how the guy falls, and if it, I mean, just thinking about it, it doesn't feel like he took a lot of huge hits. But yeah, I mean, if you're getting uh 15, 18, 20, 22 touches, uh, you know, th- those hits are going to add up one way or another, and he certainly did have um, some injury issues he was dealing with last year. So 
it's always going to be a concern probably with any running back you have on, on a roster. Uh, the days of like Ricky Waters are probably, um, are probably behind us, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that he's like injury prone or anything like that. So you give him the heavy workload and you see what happens. The point I would, I would reinforce here is you've seen stories written how, how Doug Peterson likes a backfield by committee. That's really only been because of the backfields he's had. He, he hasn't had that, that, that lead running back. In 2016, Ryan Matthews, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles. 2017, LeGarrette Blunt, Wendell Smallwood, uh, Darren Sproles for a time. Uh, 2018, Jay Ajayi uh, was kind of in line for that type of role, and he gets hurt. And then last year, they had Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and you saw Miles take on that load in the second half of the year. Miles Sanders is going to be as close to a featured back as, as they've had because he's the best back that they've had since Doug's been here. I think that's well said. Uh, what, what did you think was the uh, the most interesting press conference we had last week? To me, Jim Schwartz, just mm-hmm. because he, he carries so much power and it was the first time we've heard him speak. And Yeah, exactly. We haven't heard him speak uh, all offseason. So uh, to me, the biggest uh, takeaway from Schwartz was sort of his acknowledgement of um, you know the way that he wants to use Darius Slay. Exactly. And uh, he, he did not say that you know he's going to follow number one receivers all the time but he's going to do that sometimes and he said it's incumbent upon him and uh the scheme to make sure that when he does that it's not uh it's not a tell to opposing offenses as to whether they're going to be in in man or zone and that means that the you know the guys who are otherwise nickels are going to have to be able to play on the outside if if Darius Slay is going to slide inside at times yeah he was fairly honest that he said after the Super Bowl they they spent a lot of time trying to to avoid tells between man and zone, but when you acquire a player like Slay who has that skill set and can match a, a a receiver, it adds a different layer to it. Uh, that was his quote, and he even mentioned how he had Gilmore, Stefan Gilmore, in Buffalo, and Gilmore wasn't quite ready to be that that player then. And you see the way Gilmore's used now. That was sort of a uh, funny flex, I thought. Like, okay, oh, you had... he was dropping names left and right. Yeah. yeah. He really was. Yeah, big big flex out of Jim. He's doing so, a lot of yeah. flexing. Yeah, so I, I think his his point was that Slay is this type of player and they're gonna use him that way. Yeah, I think it's uh I did think that was interesting. He's like after we got absolutely torched in the Super Bowl, we realized uh, you know, we needed mm-hmm. to we needed to do something else. And then I thought, uh, you know, and this is sort of uh I guess it's a bit of a league wide theme, is that uh you do need to disguise more. You can't make it easy. The quarterbacks are too good. The offensive coordinators are too good. Where if they know what's coming, uh, you know, making whether it's making checks at the line of scrimmage or something already built in into the play, where they know where to uh, go with the football. Obviously, all the rules uh, favor the offense. But then I was thinking, and you guys have a much better memory on this stuff than I do. Was it the Washington game where they did like? Uh, I think there was a motion. And uh, Rodney McLeod came down to like cover the receiver and Avante Maddox was supposed to get in the deep middle and Washington threw like a slant and Terry McLaurin ran basically right past him or he missed a tackle. It was like a 70 yard touchdown. Is this ring about? Sounds familiar. It might not. All right. It might might not have been Washington. It it was a play I've watched this off season um, in, in one of the pieces I was working on, but you know, that is sort of a concern, you know, it's like, all right, you're trying to make sure they don't know what's coming at the same time. You're trying to make sure all your guys know what to do, where to be. I mean, everything he said sounded good uh, in theory, 
But, you know, then he's saying, all right, Darius Slay, yeah, he might follow a number one receiver and, uh, you know, follow that guy, even if you say he's going in the slot. Well, who are your outside cornerbacks in that situation? I mean, he was saying, oh, all those guys could do it. But, I mean, who would it be? It would be Avante Maddox and... Roby Coleman, probably, right? I don't... I mean, I, I don't... I would have to go back and look. I don't really I don't envision think a does. scenario yeah. where Roby Coleman is playing outside. And so, um, again, you can say that, but there's always going to be limitations. Like, there's a reason that Roby Coleman signed for $1.5 or whatever it was <laughs> right. as a nickel. I mean, you know, no one was viewing him as an outside corner. We saw Avante Maddox. I know it was only one game, but if he's getting matched up with a Devontae Adams type, you know, let's say, you, say it's the Cowboys, right? And Amari Cooper is lining up at the slot. And you say, we got Darius Slay. We're going to match up, uh, you know, Darius Slay on Amari Cooper. So now you've got CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup on the outside against Devontae Maddox and somebody else. I don't know. Do you feel good about that matchup? I wouldn't feel good about that matchup uh, if I were them. So, like, there are a lot of things to figure out. And I'm just really curious that uh, how, you know, how much they're going to be able to do early in the season. Is this going to be a defense that is much better uh, in week eight, nine, 10 than it is in week uh, one, two, or three? Um, especially not having Malcolm Jenkins there to sort of direct everybody. Uh, so I, I, I think there are a lot of things to figure out. Now, how many receivers who they would want to follow really spend that much time in the slot? I I feel like it's more and more yeah. a thing. I mean, it, even if it's um you know forty percent of the time, you know, like a, a Michael Thomas is in there, uh, Adam Thielen is in there, uh, Amari Cooper can spend time in there. I'm trying to think of uh you know the the Giants. They don't have a great offense, but it's going to be one of those guys, Tate or Shepard, in there, and then you've got the other guy in Darius Slayton on the outside. I mean, that's edge giants over your, uh, cornerbacks. And so these are, you know, just some off the top of my head, but it's, well, you know what, let's, let's go through the schedule and we can talk about if, if there's a guy who would be worth following and if he goes into the slot, is that fair? Sure. Okay. So week one, you've got Washington. You think he follows McLaurin? Yeah, I, I mean, think that's, so. That's an easy one because the rest of their right. offense is the worst in the NFL. So, like, he's literally the only guy you have to worry about. So, uh, yeah, I and, mean, yet that, he's, that, and yet he still managed <laughs> to have like 150 yards in Week 16. Yeah, oh, he's awesome. Yeah, so I mean that that would be one where, and I think he had a really good game against Slay last year, didn't he? I think, I think that is Slay. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say you follow him for sure. Okay, Week Two is the Rams, and they've they've got uh, more than one guy. But Cooper Cup's their, their top receiver, and he's in the slot. Yeah, but I, I don't think he—I don't think he's following Cooper Cup. No, I agree. Yeah, no, he That's may follow one where you have him on Woods on the yeah, outside. Right. You could have him trail follow Woods. Robert Woods, of course, who uh, according to Troy Aikman is one of the is maybe the best receiver in the NFL. Oh, that was crazy. When was that? That was, that was the playoffs two two years ago. It <laughs> was, was one of those a- ones where it's like. Oh, he's gonna say he's he's maybe the best receiver on the team. Yeah. Like that's that's a little bit like you know, there's Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cook, Cooper Cup. That's interesting. That's a take. He's like best receiver in the NFL. Like, whoa! Hey, sometimes you're like three hours into a podcast and you say Chip Kelly's an outstanding coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so. yeah, everyone had the same reaction on that. That was probably just Romo getting in his head. Poor guy. <laughs> that was very funny. Uh, week three, you've got the Bengals. Um, so, I mean, that's. AJ no. Green, Tyler Boyd, and and, and uh, who did they draft? I mean, you probably know, right? T Higgins, Jeff T Higgins, your boy. Right. Uh, week four is the Niners, and they they're probably down Debo, so probably oh, I no. Didn't, I right? forgot they get him in week four. That's a that's a nice uh, advantage mm-hmm. out there. Uh, no, they've got. I mean, what are you going to do? Have him follow Brandon Ayuk? I mean, right. maybe. 
they they're really thin at what maybe yeah. can he match up with george kittle i don't think so probably not that's uh that's yeah, uh nate gary all the way uh week five is is uh, the steelers and i would i would expect that he probably would follow juju smith schuster well, that's an interesting one because Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy who lines up predominantly in the slot, like over fifty percent. I think it's mm-hmm. you know it might be like seventy percent of the time. Uh, they have some other uh, good receivers. James Washington had a solid uh, mm-hmm. year last year. Who's Deon- the other guy? Deontay Johnson. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, Toledo, right? The, yes. Did, did we like a Deontay Johnson? Uh, I really liked a Deontay you Johnson. Did. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought he got some buzz from Birds with Friends. So that's one where uh, I don't know. I don't know if you would or not. James Washington, as I will uh, write at some point later this week, is like one of the uh, one of the few good case scenarios for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside after having a very bad rookie season. He had a good second year, but uh, a bit of a different profile. Um, week six is the Ravens. Uh, Hollywood Brown, yeah, you probably. I think you probably would do that there. I was wondering if he might follow you, since you're their number one option. <laughs> I mean, Mark Andrews would be their guy. Uh, week seven is the Giants, who we already talked about, uh, and week eight is the Cowboys, who we already talked about. Then back to the Giants. Oh, great! Giants three times in four weeks. Good schedule making. Uh, week eleven is the Browns. So I don't know. Do you, does he follow Odell? Yeah, yeah, because Landry is a, is uh, Just exclusively a slot. a slot guy. So yeah, I mean, I you I feel like you get Darius Slay for that for like matchups like that. Right. Uh, week twelve is another big Capadia week. The Seattle Seahawks. Uh no, I, I mean yeah. think about that one, right? Tyler yeah. Lockett is it? You're gonna have him follow Tyler Lockett in the slot, and then you got DK Metcalf against right. Randy Coleman or Avante Maddox. You can't do it. You can't do it in that no. situation. If anything, he follows. Well, I guess yeah, I mean Matt, it's Metcalf, not like Metcalf yeah. moves around too much, but no, Lockett is in the slot a lot. Right. Uh, week 13 is the Packers. I would th- again, Devonta Adams is like exactly what you get him for. Yes. Uh, week 14 is is the Saints, and that's an interesting one because because Michael Thomas does so much business in the slot too. Right, yeah. Uh, week 15 is Arizona. I guess I forgot. I, I totally forgot about DeAndre Hopkins until just now. Yeah, you would do it for that. Yeah, and then uh, Cowboys and Washington to close things out. So it's, it sounds – it's it, what did it feel like, sort of 50% there, or maybe a little bit under? Yeah, a little less, I would yeah. say. Okay. Uh, all right. What else was there? Any, was there anything else uh, that you, you guys thought was interesting from from Schwartz? I'll say with the defensive line, he he did oh, speak yeah, about this, this idea. Oh, he volunteered man. this idea of playing Malik Jackson on the outside, saying Jackson's done it earlier in his career. And Schwartz gave the flex that if you watch his Detroit <laughs> film, he's played three defensive tackles together at at one time. So uh, he's he's done it before, but. Uh, clearly, this idea of Malik Jackson playing defensive end is not media fueled. I, I think it's coming from the team, and perhaps it's something they do on early downs to try to find snaps for Jackson. Well, I was wondering. I mean, first of all, don't brag about putting three defensive tackles on the field at once. Like, what? Is, it's supposed to be the yeah. opposite. I mean, right? Jim, get, you got you got fired from that job, Jim. I mean, yeah, yeah get four defensive ends on the field. You know, that, I thought that's the way like it's going, but uh, it almost sounded like a sort of, you know, because he said we've had guys who have done it before or something. I thought he was referring to like a Michael Benedish type role. I think where, he. I think he said we've had guys who have done it from end to tackle but that means that we can also do it the other way that's uh-huh. how i interpreted it too. yeah oh, all right okay well i wasn't and then he listening. mentioned detroit how they've had three tackles on the right field. uh yeah. i will look up in the next couple of weeks i'm gonna look up malik jackson sack reel mm-hmm. and uh i will write down where he's rushing the passer 
on it's all a good of those, idea. Uh, to see because I mean because also if you're talking about him at, at defensive end in a three four well that's that's not the same that's thing. Completely Jim. different. <laughs> I mean, come on, we're not. I mean, we're dumb, but we're yeah. not that dumb. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know why where this obsession is coming from, but uh, I mean, the yeah. only way that I think that makes any sense is if one of Graham or Barnett is injured and he's playing it on right. first and second down. Like sure. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, well, I I think the 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 root of the question is is that they paid Hargrave this this money, so they clearly want to want Hargrave to play. Fletcher Cox is going to take a lot of snaps. We know that. So where does that leave Malik Jackson? You know, he's he's not going to be your third defensive tackle in this in the vein that like Bo Allen was. Um, so I imagine they want a more prominent role for him, but. How are those snaps going to be allocated? Well, I mean, it's it's it it's should be question. it should be a good problem to have though. It should be, you know, Malik Jackson comes in for Javon Hargrave on third down, and you're also able to spell Fletcher Cox more than you were in years past when he got sort of run down at the end of the season. Uh, like that should be a good thing. But the other thing that that hurts is then there's not really room for Brandon Graham to go inside on third down where he is so effective. Um, so this exactly. is the and, kind of thing we talked about. And Hargrave was uh, the the way they're they're billing him is is that. Uh, he's a he's a penetrating rusher who was kind of miscast as a nose tackle. Right, you're not paying him all that money just to be a run stuffer on first and second down. Exactly, exactly. I would argue that a hundred percent of the time in football, someone said it's a good problem to have. It's been a bad problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when has it actually been a good problem to have? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Nick Foles. Do you think they would have said that? I guess not. For what him? I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, that's true. All right, I, that's a good one. Yeah, 2018, Nick Foles coming in to spell Carson Wentz post Super Bowl. You know, I'm sure they said before the season it's a good problem to have. You need two good quarterbacks, and uh, it was. He he did. He, uh, you know, they all they almost made the NFC title game. All right. I like 90, your point better if it's 99 percent of the time. <laughs> Yeah, you know what they say, if you've got three podcast hosts, you've got none. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, <laughs> and then the last thing with Schwartz was uh, the linebackers. He he basically, it's, it's, it's like a Howie talking point, but I, I truly feel they feel this way, is that they've spent time uh, trying to develop some of these guys. They need to play them. Now, I don't know if Tell it, me about if that's that on the offensive rest. line, but go ahead. I don't know if that's a good rationalization for going into the season with the linebackers that they have, but that's the way they're viewing that position. And then, and then the other part of it, uh, and and this they also believe is that they're a much faster linebacker group, and I, I they clearly thought speed was an issue in the past. That's true, and and that's definitely I mean from talking to Howie and uh, everybody else, like that was an emphasis this offseason for them, which makes sense. It's a good thing they were pretty slow last year, uh, but at the same time, like. It doesn't necessarily help you that much if Sean Bradley runs a four-five-one, but he's not getting on the field. Like you're probably going to be playing one or two linebackers anyway, and it might be you know Nate Gary and T.J. Edwards. Yeah, I mean, I w- when he said that that uh, you know we have real speed, the fastest linebackers we've had since I got here. I just thought of like Michael Kendricks, right? And you know, I, I don't think you love to coach him. Um, Jim, Jim. I mean, I know you. Play, I, you Jim Schwartz is going to hate Davion Taylor, don't you think? We've talked about this already, but like, yeah, I mean, come on, I mean, yeah, I mean, fast guys whose instincts are a question. Those generally. <laughs> what don't, are we I talking mean, about? Maybe you can coach him up and he'll be good, but uh, you know, speed. I feel like, I don't know. And then it's like you're talking about your speed, but T.J. Edwards is like one of your main guys, and you know, that's right. not a strength of his. So uh, 
I don't know. We will see what happens there. Let me see. The well, last thing else? Schwartz oh. did say was uh, he said the other cornerback is an open competition, which, yeah. of course, he's going to say that, but it, it certainly sounds like it'll be Avante Maddox. Although, give me someone who looks at me the way Jim Schwartz looks at Jalen Mills. Hmm. Like, like, oh, descri- yeah. Like no, not a steep learning for- curve. Yeah. Yeah. Checks every box, <laughs> including you know? falling if for he- hoaxes and propagating them on the internet. Like, if he checks every box, why didn't they do this when Ronnie McLeod was, was hurt before, you know? I guess he checks every box for that Jenkins role, but but still, it's 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 uh, the idea of moving Mills in the past was was like sacrilegious in the building and now it's as if as if this was what he was destined to do uh tyron matthew came up when he was talking about that correct yes correct Correct. and also i mean he said mills has done all this stuff like yeah mills has like i won't say he's (laughs) never covered a slot receiver but he wasn't moving in there a lot i mean i I mean I, i would have to look at the numbers that's not something he was doing for like weeks on end and you thought wow you know this is the best slot slot corner i've ever seen or you again like you said uh zach you would have moved him in there so yeah he was making that sound like wow that's going to be no issue at all uh but he definitely is all lit on this positionless um idea because that kind of goes hand in hand with the not tipping man in zone you know it's like all right this guy moved over here well anybody can go cover him that's fine you know we won't give it away we don't need a guy to travel over there and so it does feel like uh you know i don't know if obsession is the right word but it's Mm. certainly uh top of mind for him is to kind of just get a bunch of guys who can do a lot of different things and don't give away what we're doing uh before the snap and uh go play that way uh but if you're looking at it it's sort of a i guess bigger picture it's like well who's playing outside corner opposite darius slay Mm. so i have one bow opinion here okay Uh, we didn't get to see it today because he wasn't called upon to ask a question, but we saw it often <laughs> mm. in the uh, in in the assistant coach interviews. Bo's uh, haircut is—it's mm. looking nice. Oh, I missed it. Yes, mm. you saw you Cosmo. No, I did not see Cosmo. Oh. I feel very dirty about it. Um, but when we were when we were up in Maine, we had uh, they had somebody coming to the house to do outdoor cuts, and I. I felt like I it was my duty uh, just because there are other people who have to look at me every day. Um, and the comment that I looked like Phil Mickelson really got to me. I, I couldn't get past that. Uh, so who I had was that? Your brother? My Someone brother. Yeah. And then yeah. and then my uncle or my uh, my brother in law also said that. <laughs> wow, uh, separately? Yeah, separately. Oh said, man. So I just I mean, uh, w- once the second <laughs> one came, it was it was time to move on. Well, I'll get you a KPMG hat. That's, <laughs> that's, right. that's a good one right there. That's a thing, right? Yeah, that's a good pull for you. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, you, you, you think that's you think that's going to be an effect of uh, sort of post COVID? Like you know, if you're uh, a barber or a hair cutter, just do, do some house, house calls? calls. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, I think so. Okay. This this woman who who cut everybody's hair, like they haven't opened their their shop, which obviously makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think she was sort of saying that it's it's not that, you know, it's not the worst idea. Yeah, I mean, back when I had hair, I mean, I think I would be getting uh, haircuts like more often if that were the case, you know? Like, all right, they're just going to mm. come to my house and I just got to go outside for 15 minutes and, you know, that's it. And that, that sounds appealing. Now, Zach, how many how many cuts have you had in quarantine? I I've had the outdoor cut. Nice. Uh, so... So uh, just one because we know again you're used to like every other day. <laughs> now my wife was doing it for a while, uh, and then but it's it's been five months now, right? Uh, March, right? I think it was March 10th for me, so March 9th or March 10th. So yeah, it's 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 been a while. So I've I've had two nice uh, 
a one month apart. I've, I've, so I've, I've had two outdoor cuts and then, uh, well, I think you look great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But, but, but sweeping is, mm. so I, I get it out on the block and I, I obviously can't have hair all around the block. So I, I, <laughs> I sweep it on the sidewalk, but you get some wind sometimes and that's, that's, that's not good. So you got to be, be quick with the sweeping. Mm, that seems like it could be a good advice d- downside to what I said. No, a bunch of random people's hair on me as <laughs> yes. I walk through the city. All right, for, 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 forget forget what I said earlier. Open up those barbershops. <laughs> uh, by uh, the way, uh, I don't know where you guys stand on banana talk these days, but uh, after our last banana discussion, our producer Marissa let us know that she's uh, she freezes her bananas for smoothies, and we've been uh, we've been doing that this week in the Wolf household. Works out pretty well. Oh, that's all you. What smoothies you got going on over there? Uh, we're doing a little like banana, strawberry, uh, blueberry, uh, yogurt, and spinach. I I didn't hear any type of uh, nut butter in there. No nut butter. Although uh, we really? are we are we are recently um, we're going to be adding some chia seeds. Okay, I like a chia seed. Uh, yeah, you like a chia seed. That's strong. Yeah. No, uh, no almond butter, huh? That's interesting. We've got some almond butter, but uh, we've we've got like a pretty small little like bullet thing, and it's just you you uh, can only put bullet. you can only put so much in. It's not a Nutribullet; it's something else, oh. but it's pretty small, so you can't really load it in too heavy. Eh, listen, you you can fit enut butter in there. Okay, it's it's not gonna break the thing. You're the smooth you're the smoothie man. Smoothie king, some might. Say. I think I think that's someone else. Mm, I don't know about that. Okay. It's, the arena uh, in New Orleans. I did like how uh, Jim Schwartz was <laughs> asked about uh, takeaways and turnovers uh, going down last year. And, man, his face, good thing that was a virtual uh, call <laughs> because I think if that was in person, he, he was not happy about any type of call out for uh, saying their takeaways went down last year. Yeah, he never likes he never likes any kind of like, you know, you, you guys ranked yeah. you know, towards the bottom of the league in this. It's like, oh, well, if you watch the games – yeah, he said. Well, if you, he goes. If you, look at the, if, you, if you look at the four-year stretch, we're <laughs> we're up there. It's like, geez, Jim, God, settle down. Also, he says Darius Lazy like, can get a lot of interceptions because they're not going to throw it to his side this year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Samari Roll flex yes. there. Yeah, he a lot of flexes. Good for him. Uh, okay, uh, we also we want to go to Jeff Stoudland, who uh, who gave sure. it, he gave us the rundown of uh, you know why he. He's wearing a mask 100% of the time because these guys got, got young families at home. Should be uh, the case for everybody everywhere. But Everywhere, yep. Um, he talked about Jason Peters and said that he is, uh, he's the best option that they had because of his familiarity with Stout and the scheme, and he's well-suited. to. And, and it, it was sort of like the way he talked about it was like uh, Jason Peters has put in so much effort at left tackle that he deserves sort of the vacation of getting to play right guard. It's like, yeah, he's like, we're just going to ease him into retirement by just letting him play right guard. Like, he's like, dude, I won a Super Bowl with Stefan Wisniewski yeah. there. Come on, you think I'm well, worried about guard, this? But... Well, it was still guard. What, you think right guard's easier than <laughs> I'm left just guard? Saying, no, my I was saying takeaway... right, right, right. That's... Yeah. <laughs> my, my big takeaway from him describing right guard is that Brandon Brooks is a really special player. But once you don't have Brandon Brooks on the field, like it's it's not that it's not that hard to find somebody. Oh, that's probably a great ta- that's probably a great way to frame it. Actually, if you're getting like the elite guy, then yeah, it's a difference maker. Right. But if you co- if you come down to like the um, you know seventy fifth percentile guy, it's probably not that different than like yeah. the fortieth percentile guy. Right. That's really how he made it sound. Now, the one <laughs> thing that I wanted to ask about Peters, and uh, again, didn't get a question in on this one, 
uh, although I did get to tell him who Julian Good Jones was, um, was <laughs> yes, you did. was that uh, the Peters thing? I'm I'm curious about like, do they think that it is a path uh, to injury because he's been conditioning his body so much to be doing things on the left? This is an old man who gets injured anyway. Like, what what do they have to do to work on his body to get his body prepared? I don't know. It's a good question. Probably more stretching, but yeah, stretching. Well, yeah. well I've I've put out eighteen thousand videos of that. Yeah. If you want any, I can send them to you. If you want to see what he's going to be doing. No, I, I think I, a starter, I think though, so I if, think it's a very fair question. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. No, I, I he he said he used Matt Pryor as a starter in the same way. He viewed Vitae as a starter, right? Uh, and so, if, but they signed an old guy goes, just to make sure he wasn't a starter. Yes, yeah. So if, if Peters goes down, they'll plug Pryor right in there. Um, we didn't get a sense. We talked to Jack Driscoll because I'm sort of curious about where they're going to put him, and he did say that right now most of his time is at tackle, although he expects to be going all over. So um, to me, that means that means right tackle, don't you think? That's the way I interpreted it. Which is a little bit interesting. So that would make me think that, like, he's at right tackle, and they're just they're still focusing Matt Pryor at right guard, with maybe the expectation that they sort of expect that Peters is not going to make it through the whole season, or that that Peters is the backup left tackle. Yeah, right. Too. That's but now uh, with Dillard. He said Dillard just needs that, or he said he watched every rep Dillard played last year. He said play strength is what is what Dillard needed to improve, and he has improved that. And then what'd you make of the Jordan Mailata answer? Uh, remind me what he said. With Mailata, he he said Stop stealing like he, my uh stop stealing <laughs> my material. What's that? I said stop stealing my material, though. Mm-hmm. Stop what's oh, oh, oh I mean yeah. I, you know, not yeah. listening. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Uh he he said that like if if it's gonna happen, basically it's gonna happen now. You know, that, that that he's he's really attuned in, in these virtual meetings. He doesn't know if it's going to translate, but but that. Oh yeah, he said he and Pryor like really like for the first time in three years they're paying attention in meetings. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If it's going to happen, it's going to happen now, basically. Uh, Okay. Uh, What about uh, what about Press Taylor, Zach? What did you think of uh, PT? Of your boy. I don't know where you get this. Press have a good kinship there. I don't know where that came from. Why did he say? Did he mention Bo's name in his answer? Yeah, well, also like the question, so Bo didn't take himself off. off yeah, the first it's time that's like, happened to me. Uh, it's like Zoom one on one. I know. Should have led with that. First time. First time out. that's happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, and and so he said, he said, uh, Bo, I can't hear you. Um, and then Bo takes himself off off mute and politely says, uh, "Hey, press. I hope you and the family are are safe and well." Yeah. So what's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. Why is that such a? (laughs) I don't know. Really. Okay. Yeah. Just because he knew my name. No. Yeah. It was just the way you guys interacted. Hmm. Oh, I'm gonna have to watch. Maybe just because he's the only he's the only person who allowed the uh, the staff to accept a question from me. (laughs) Allowed the staff. Yeah. With. With press, it was honestly it was it was fairly benign. Like there was, I don't think there was anything there that was so pressing. Oh, nice. Uh, yes. Good one. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was nice. Stop the presses. He yeah. He didn't think that full the, court uh, press. The role was going to be much different in terms of his of his day to day. It's a real collaborative staff, so on and so forth. Freedom of the press. Uh, <laughs> spoke uh, spoke a lot about Carson. Obviously, spoke about Jalen Hurts. 
you know, the the, the research he he did on Hertz. But I don't think there was anything there that, that was really earth-shattering. He said he was, was impressed with Jalen Hurts early on. Yes. All right. I, I think, think that's we all I got. The podcast. Yeah. We should talk Carson though, real quick, right? Uh, we should. And uh, yeah. and I I wrote today just about you know Carson saying that uh, at least recognizing that they needed some uh, some explosiveness in the offense, and we've sort of belabored this point over the course of the off season, uh, just how how bad they were, and I mean during the season last year, just how boggy they were, and uh, you know the Scangarello edition, Carson called him out as uh, sort of adding the marriage of the run game and the pass game as he called it which to me just sort of means uh you know adding more play action um and and uh what i wrote about today is that they in those last four games they uh they went from not using under center play action very much to using it a lot and it helped unlock some things for the offense so uh, my assumption is that part of the offensive coaching changes were to uh to help allow them to do that a little bit more he spoke about needing to reduce the fumbles Mm mm-hmm and then the topic that we briefly discussed last week about Carson looking bigger uh, mm. after last year coming in leaner, he said that for the really the first offseason, in a while he's he's been able to to uh, work out that he he doesn't have an injury nice flex. to nurse right now, so uh, he has a home gym and he's been using it, just like Shield. I'm sorry, we are we still going? <laughs> I was doing something else. Lifting, probably. <laughs> well, the, the play action Swole thing is Because you've got uh, – it's sort of like the, the Seahawks cover three thing, which we've talked about. You know, all right, well, it was good, and then the entire league was – or a quarter of the league was running this defense, and um, it wasn't as effective. Obviously, talent players has something to do with it. Uh, this offseason, I mean – so, you know, if you're talking about the sort of the Shanahan, McVay, uh, Kubiak type uh, under center play action sort of base of an offense. I mean, those are three that I mentioned right there. Uh, Stefanski is another one that's uh, that's number four. I feel like I'm missing mm-hmm. uh, somebody else, but it is sort of increasing around the league. Obviously, with the Eagles, it's just going to be an element of what they're uh, what they're going to do now. I did look up for my uh, for my Broncos nerd guide. Uh, was looking up sort mm-hmm. of Scangarello's tendencies last year. Not a lot of play action. Not a lot of play action. Now he 20th did twentieth in the Flac- league, right? Joe Flacco for a while. Um, so and they were behind uh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, now when Drew Lock played, it was a small sample, but he was effective with play action. So okay. it will be uh, it will be interesting to see how they incorporate that as sort of another. Uh, facet to everything else they do. And digging through the um, the Football Outsiders 2020 Almanac, these things are sort of like uh, they make sense, but uh, the the stats have proven it out that uh, you know shotgun is still more efficient than under center from a passing standpoint, but under but play action under center is more effective than play action from shotgun. Um, and there yes. and there is no diminishing returns to uh, you know the more play action you do, it's not like it becomes less effective over time. So it makes sense that uh, a theoretically, analytically forward organization would try to uh, move that needle. And the Eagles were, I mean, they were towards the top of the league in play action last year to begin with, but uh, so much of it was was out of shotgun. And they weren't very good, right, out of play? I mean, what were their, I'm, I'm trying to remember from doing the uh, the Eagles thing. They were not great. Think, yeah, their numbers 
with play action were not good when they this, used the it. the craziest uh, Wentz stat that I that I saw um, in the almanac was that um, without pressure, and this is I mean this has to be all about just how terrible the receivers were, but he was like the third worst quarterback in the league against no pressure, and mm. that was like Trubisky and Dwayne Haskins below him. Hmm. Well. Yeah, sitting there uh, patting the ball, right. waiting for someone waiting to for uh, a receiver you big, don't trust big to bomb theoretically to get, open. get open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else uh, from any of the rookies we talked to last week, Zach? From the rookies, not so much. Uh, we discussed the Jalen's last week, correct? I believe we did. Yes. Now, Sheila, I'm sure you watched the um, the Casey Twohill press conference. What did you make of that? Yeah, Zach sort of teased that earlier. You said Bo asked Casey Tuhill what they do at night, and then you moved on to your next point. I didn't want to be rude and interrupt you, but what did he say they do at night at the uh, at the hotel? Bo? Uh, not much. He said, "Well, he said they work late anyway." And I think they've all been told to be very cagey about the specifics of their lives yes. right now. Um, yeah. And so he just said, "You know, they mostly stay in the hotel. They have dinner and uh, you know get some get some rest." I think cagey is a uh is a good description here. I mean, They've it's like all, John yeah. Hightower and Quez Watkins are barely acknowledging that they're fast, you know? Right. They just want to come and learn and, you know, be a part of the team. And okay. the worst, I mean, the, uh, I guess we talked about this, but but Jalen Hurts is like, I don't know if that guy's ever going to answer anything. Who was yeah, the that. best rookie interview? Uh, good question. I would go Sean Bradley. Yeah, oh. Bradley was good. Interesting. Bradley okay. was good. Yeah, the big I fella. Thought, uh, I thought uh, uh, Hill or I think Driscoll was. Driscoll uh, was thoughtful. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Driscoll was thoughtful. And I liked. I, I thought Rager was 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 fine too. And um, Hill didn't. Uh, he wasn't doing the thing he did after the draft with the uh, the right. The right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's too bad. I was hoping that listener. was going to stick around. Perhaps he's a listener. Yeah, That's he right. Listened. That's right. Uh, okay. Anything else you guys got to get off your chest? Nope. Any news that we've missed over the past hour of recording? Nope. Okay. Nope. I was hoping, I was hoping for a Marissa drop in there to tell us that, uh, I don't know, Kirk Cousins has decided to retire. The Vikings just traded for P.J. Hall. I was just going to say <laughs> Wait, I was just sorry. Gonna say that. Gosh, Zach. What happened? Sorry, <laughs> he said it. The Vikings traded for P.J. Oh, Hall. Oh, for P.J. Hall. <laughs> Mm, big get for that. <laughs> Sorry, Marissa. Don't you? Th- it's okay. You, you're on your game. <laughs> Introduce it. Set her up. Yeah, and Zach just jumped in there. Well, he didn't want to be. He didn't want to be caught sleeping again. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm not gonna live that one down. Um, I might never sleep again. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Reed reached an agreement, according to Adam Schefter, on an incentive-laden one-year deal with the 49ers, so reuniting Ooh. with Kyle Shanahan. Interesting. Don't you think it's weird to be, like, w- what a weird thing it would be to get traded in the middle of, of all of this? I was thinking about that when I saw the the Marlins acquire two pitchers. Right. <laughs> you're go, you're like, going to the leper colony. Like, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine that that conversation? Yeah, weird times. Also, like the same thing about like the Jets releasing Brian Winters, they couldn't have released him like two months ago. Yeah, that well, that's that point's been made. I've been seeing. Oh, has that been made? I haven't seen that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good stuff. Good. Yeah, glad glad we got that Brian Winters nugget <laughs> in there before the horn. 
Oh, we had to get, I'm glad we got Marissa introduced to the to the listeners for the first time. Uh, okay, well for uh, for everybody, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Uh, if if there is more news this week, I'm sure we'll be back. For everybody, I'm Bo, and as always, we love you.